1: Welcome to Between the Lines, the stories behind great sports writing. My name is Martin Gregg, and today I am joined by my backpage partner, Neil White, and translator extraordinaire, Mark Palmer. Um, Mark translated our best-selling 2014 title, Andrea Pirlo, I Think, Therefore I Play, and he's also translated our latest title, which came out three weeks ago. That was October the 28th, 2021, and it is The Immortals by Arrigo Saki. So we're going to get into the mechanics of translation with Mark in a bit. But I think first of all, Neil, we just want to talk about The the Immortals, the the book itself, maybe using another book as a counterpoint, because this is not the first Saki book that has come across our radar, but this is the one that we really wanted to get our teeth into. So can you maybe give us a a little bit of background as to the, the first time that we came
2: across a Saki book? So a few years ago, we um, were looking at Arrigo Saki's autobiography, which is a, a sort of standard autobiography, looks across the entirety of his life and his career. And Saki is, without doubt, a very colorful character. You know, It's not always in football or sport that um, a high achieving elite competitor or coach has a a life that that deserves to be written about across an autobiography, but Saki definitely did. So we were interested enough um, in that to to have Mark look at it. Um, Mark, I should say, is someone that we both worked with for a long time Um, when we were newspaper journalists uh, many years ago. We've got a long-standing relationship with him. And, obviously, after the work that we did together on the on the preload book, we value his opinion immensely. So, yeah, we asked Mark to check that one out. But when we drilled down on the content, it wasn't quite what we had in mind. And I think one of the reasons is that, by that point, I think you and I had become more interested in the idea of uh, boxed stories. So, it's stories that aren't sprawling and sort of uncontainable, but something that you could elevate a pitch to somebody in two or three sentences. So instead of a book about the life and times of Rigo Saki, as interesting as those times in that life has been, we knew that the most interesting part of that story to a wider audience would be something focused tightly on the Great Milan team. Yeah, I mean, Mark,
1: I don't know how much you remember about this book, because this was uh, maybe five or six years ago that, that, you had a read of the manuscript for us, but there was lots of stuff on Saki's life and how he was a shoe salesman and he travelled around Europe with his dad and it was really, really interesting biography and it was a fascinating tale of a fascinating life, but I think when you put it against Saki's brand being that, being built around this great
3: Milan side it just kind of fell down maybe in terms of te- being able to tell that story? I agree and I think you know, that, that Milan team was his masterpiece and quite clearly stands on its own two feet as a, a topic for a book in its own right um, and I think the word Neil used sprawling is, is pretty accurate for that first one, it was, it was a standard autobiography so uh, with this one you, you tell the story of that everyone wants to know the inside detail on an inside track on this team but there's enough of that biographical detail sprinkled through that you get a real picture of Saki the man as well, so I think this one kind of covered a lot more bases more succinctly. Yeah,
1: it's interesting you talk, you talk about the kind of origin story of Saki, because in the second chapter of the book, you're back in Fuzignano where, where he's born and bred and, and who, where he's, he's gone back to and he now lives, that's a really interesting part of the story, but it's all pivoted around this great Milan team, and we were talking about this yesterday, Neil, and you were talking about the and it relates into what you've already said about boxing up a story but this is like this is kind of Saki, Milan frozen in time this book isn't it? I thought
2: that was a great expression Yeah uh, well especially with Arrigo himself because since he stopped coaching at a relatively young age um, you know due to I think sort of self-diagnosed burnout amongst other things I think the pedestal that he was on in Italy for sure, it hasn't, it hasn't kind of lasted, you know, he's become a, a talking head, he's a newspaper columnist, um, I think if you pay attention to Italian football, his voice is one that you do hear frequently on contemporary issues, and what we've got in, in this book, The Immortals, is Arrigo Sacchi aged 46, um, yeah. you know, rocking up at Milan after a career spent in the, in the pyramid of Italian football, in the lower leagues of Italian football. And suddenly having to tame this dressing room full of international superstars, retrain them and then achieve, you know, things that only a, a handful of football teams have ever achieved. And to have that, that moment frozen um, and to have, look, to have an old man looking back on his yeah. great achievement from what? thirty years longer. Years. <laughs> you know, down the line. I think I think it's special. I think it's better than if it was somebody writing a memoir of something that had just happened. I think, you know, the stage of life that he's at, to reflect on this and I'm sure he's asked to reflect on it all the time, but to, to take the time with a great ghostwriter by the way, to develop this story about his finest hour, I think that's given us something special. I think one of the things that attracted us as well was
1: the power of the recall is enhanced by these training diaries and um, I remember one of the first messages you sent us was like he's you know he's reproduced
3: like this diary um, that he kept throughout that season which is just it was phenomenal and it's the detail of you know general session plans and general reflections on you know match by match but also the extreme detail of well, you know, here's exactly what the players did the day before we went out and flashed Barcelona or, or sorry Real Madrid, and I think that really appealed to us. The, the idea that there was a, a chronological thrust to it in terms of going match by match and taking you through the extreme detail of that season, but it then kind of grew arms and legs thematically, so it would go in. You know, tell you about you know the relationship between the the three Dutch players, or some some insight into I suppose lesser light in the team, like Verdas or Ancelotti or somebody like that. It was uh, it just it just ticked so many boxes with that kind of real warmth and, and pace of the narrative as well. Yeah, I think that's a a
2: big hook for us was that you were getting personalities, star power, and you're getting insight into them from the guy that coached them.
1: Yeah, I think I mean you talked about picking boxes and, and, and that's so right because for us to publish a book there there has to go a, a lengthy vetting process these days, you know, to, to get to the point where we think, right, this, this is going to be worth, you know, maybe six months, nine months, a year of our, our, our lives, you know. But it's quite interesting and maybe we should just reflect on this a little bit, that, that was like five or six years ago. We read you read that first manuscript and we all talked about it and we decided to say no. And we said no quite a lot over the years. I mean you poor poor Mark's read plenty of manus- manuscripts that just haven't made the cut and it's it's so tempting sometimes isn't it because th- there's been other projects that have came
3: close but they just haven't quite felt, felt right. Despite you absolutely wanting them to yes. because of the name and the subject matter involved but we've kind of been big enough or brave enough or however you describe it to say well actually it, it doesn't have that mix of ingredients that, that seem to work well for us so whereas this one absolutely did on, on every front. Yeah I mean it was...
1: I think in, in terms of coming back to this manuscript, I think it was probably about a year ago, where I was I was doing a kind of internet search for for Saki and just seeing if there's anything else around, and I, I found your book report, Mark, and was reflecting on that, and then I found this other one, which was um, the, the diary of the eighty eighty nine season, um, but I, I wasn't really I wasn't really excited about it at the time because I didn't quite realise what it was and, and I guess it was just a kind of gradual process and like when,
3: when, you, when you started to read it you quite, quite quickly realised it was something special. Yeah, that's right. I mean, when you hear the phrase diary of a season and we've all read yeah. versions right. of that kind of uh, topic where it, it is literally, and then we beat such and such and then it's a very kind of dull, dry prose, but this had so much depth to it, so many details and it went off in so many different directions while still being based around that fundamental story that we all feel we know, but you weren't told from the perspective of the guy who actually led the thing. It, it just had so much to commend it.
2: Yeah. I think there's a bit of crossover between Pirlo here, which is probably going to take us on to to discussing what Mark does, which is that in both of those books the charm is that you're having the protagonist tell you stories. Basically this feels like you're across the table from Origasaki and sometimes it's not quite linear. (laughs) You If something pops up that reminds him of a different story, then we're going to go down that cul-de-sac, but you do have a sense of his voice, a sense of his personality, and that sort of storytelling charm that was present in the pre-lo- um, autobiography, it's definitely there this time and that 's partly to do with the ghosting it 's partly to do with the Saki himself and, and, and you know it 's definitely partly um, due to the fact that we 've got you know the the great translator working on it as well yeah I think tonally there 's a lot of similarities between.
1: The ghostwriting job that Alessandro Alciato did for for Pirlo and Luigi Garlando did for for, for Saki. Did, did you find that? Did you, when you were reading it, did you start thinking, "This is taking
3: me back to 2010"? Absolutely. There was a lot of kind of warmth and quirkiness and kind of maybe it's unexpectedly so in the case of Pirlo. Whereas I think with Saki, you know, if you know much about him, he has this reputation for being a slightly eccentric character. So it's, it was about trying to really capture that that sort of slightly mad edge. Uh, sort of mad professor element but with obviously the extreme authority that he exudes and you know the, the absolute clarity of vision he has around how the game should be played in his eyes uh, and capturing that and you know trying to capture the sort of light and shade of that I think was the, the main challenge. And I guess it's one job for Luigi to, to capture that voice but
1: the job for you is to try and translate that into English which is, is no uh, no mean feat at all. So. Um, can you give us some examples of, of, of parts of the book or, or phrases or, or words where, where you really had to reflect on it and think how, how would this come across, how can I nail the essence of this phrase for an English language
3: audience Well at a very basic level a lot of the kind of handwritten training sessions the, 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 the session plans that we see in the, in the book, they were difficult just to actually decode what the heck was actually written there in Italian never mind trying to translate it so I had a bit of a job with kind of colleagues in Italy to say look what does that actually say before we go down there Um, and you would find then that some of the even some of the exercises and drills that they were doing then that that term may have fallen out of usage now that's not something that would be done now or referred to in that way so even Italians were struggling for a while to say what would that actually mean and what does that look like in practice so at that kind of level there were a few challenges He's also, um, from where he comes in Italy, in that Emilia-Romagna region of sort of north-central Italy, and he's very proud of those roots, he quite often would chuck in a phrase or a dialectal word there that, again, as a non-native speaker, you would have no clue to. So that took a bit of piecing together, So what did he actually mean by that? And, And again, in Italy, where there's so many different regional dialects, a similar sounding word can actually mean something very different from region to region. So, again, trying to identify the right person who could tell you that's exactly what he means there, go, go with that, uh, was important. So, I, I, I used the full gamut of uh, people that I know throughout Italy to, to make sure that we were on the right track. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
1: I want to read out an example of... This is from the uh, a chapter called Boss the Kid is Shaking, and it's about the European Cup second round, second leg replay against Red Star Belgrade. Um, and it's in the second half, and, and Milan are really up against it, and then suddenly the great the great personalities of this team emerge. Uh, Rudhulet, Franco Baresi. they come to the fore. So this is a passage that says, Franco Baresi, our captain, who gave a monumental performance, managing to transmit calm and strength to everyone in that hellhole. Every time he came out with a ball at his feet, the flames of hell made way. Do you do you need to be bold as a translator to take on a phrase like that? And is there a temptation to try
3: and flatten it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah there is. And the, there's a, 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 sorry, a temptation to either go too literal and come up with something that vaguely renders the idea but is a bit wishy-washy, or to go... You know, far beyond what is intended by by the original text, and I think with that one, it was quite queer. You know, there was a whole series of images around hell, the hellhole of the of the stadium, the whole atmosphere around this infernal place, the the flames, kind of, it was there. So, so run with it, you know. So, yeah. but you, you have to kind of weigh up and say, like, am I going too literal? Am I going, am I exaggerating this beyond the original intent? And I, and I don't think we did. I think it's all a, it's all a balancing act of trying to weigh and and make sure that you you stay faithful to to the original text, but also making it understandable, digestible, and and relevant to your your native audience.
1: Yeah, this was a point you made the other day when we were talking about this, Neil, about if you establish the personality, the authority of the personality, then you can get away with these type of phrases, because that's, in some ways, that's a kind of preposterous phrase, you know, if that that was in a, you know, an autobiography in English, um, you know, written in English, you would think, oh, they've overcooked that, Mm -hmm. but because you're into Saki's personality that phrase stands up
2: yeah, he, he doesn't slow roll his eccentricity you know, he, <laughs> it's, it's, it's right there, you know, from page one so I think once you're once you've turned a couple of pages in this book you kind of know the nature of the narrator that you're dealing with, it, he's telling his story and um, yeah the, the, the language is absolutely wonderful at times, you know, there's references to Roman military tactics. There's references to Italy's role in the in the wars. Novelists dropped in there. Historians, great
3: journalists. You know, the, he's he's pulling from all over the place. Indeed, and I think you know Neil and I were lucky to, enough to, to go over to see uh, anigo sake not just before we published the book, uh, and it was really kind of. Pleasing and reassuring for me to, to to listen to him in person and kind of really feel that yes, the per- the, the way we've kind of captured this voice, the personality we've described, is exactly what he is. Right. Um, as Neil will, will back me up, he you know he is an eccentric character. He does his his, his stories go off on tangents and. But there is he doesn't exude an authority at the same time and the, the names that he's able to draw are, are just phenomenal so I kind uh, that that was a pleasing part of the process to that, that made me think we nailed it
1: it's a nice link into the final part that we want to chat about which is fiz and, and this trip that, that you guys went on I think you know that that was really important to try and get over there, get access to him um, for publicity purposes uh, as much as anything we, we built a trip around uh, the two of you we took out Jamie Carragher uh, we were going to take out Henry Winter but unfortunately um, he couldn't make it at the, at the last minute but I mean I, I really guess I need to hand over to you guys at this point because you know you had 24 hours in, in Fusignano and immersing yourself in the, in the colour
2: um, of that place what was it like? Yeah, so uh, I mean, our, our, I think when I was talking with the Italian publishers about potential access to Saki, just you know the the kind of aim with us, I think, is to go for quality over quantity. So the ask was always going to be for just one day of his of his attention, and then we wanted to get one or two really quality pieces of media from that. We asked Jamie Carragher, who, as well as his sort of Sky TV persona, also does a, a column for the Telegraph newspaper, because he had written and spoken about Saki really quite extensively um, in his Greatest Games series and book. And you know, we have a relationship with Henry Winter, who's just you know probably the biggest beast out there in terms of um, UK sports writing right now. And he was really really up for it, Um, you know, was on the on the plane basically, and then at the last minute had an opportunity to do something with Liverpool Football Club that he couldn't say no to. So Mark works for the Times, same organisation as Henry. He was going to go there anyway um, to translate for both Jamie and Henry. So the Times side of things just fell into your um, lap in its entirety, so that's the the framework for the trip, that was our objective. It was great that it was for which is the town that Saki is from, and it really is a place that you um, get a sense of in the book. So it was wonderful that we could actually go there. It's about an hour in a, in a fast taxi from Bologna airport. Um, so it was all done very, very quickly. I mean, we, we took over early in the morning and we were, we were with Saki before lunchtime, uh, sitting down in uh, his, it's, it was it's, it's like an, uh, an old world little town. And when you got to the gate that we've been directed to, Mark, I don't know if you, I had no idea
3: what was, behind the gate no I mean it could have been anything it was um, you know it was behind this fence gate um, and then when it was rolled back an absolute talking about a masterpiece of a football team it was a masterpiece of a residence as well wasn't it and I was scared to move with all those ornaments and uh, grand paintings on the walls and whatnot. it was was a a lovely sort of um,
2: a a lovely uh, stone house in the middle of quite sort of sprawling grounds with various outhouses and dogs running around and and then inside, as you'd say, high ceilings, dark wood, portraits that look like they come from the 19th century in some instances. You know, look, the trappings of a back-to-back European Cup winning coach. <laughs> Let's make no point about it. Um, and to, to see him in person was absolutely fantastic. Now, if it's a different experience for you because you got to interview him in Italian, and to be honest, as much as I would have loved to have done that trip with Henry Winter, it was great that, he, that you interviewed him in Italian. And I wanted to ask you, you know, I was I, I saw Jamie Carragher interview him and you were doing the translation. Did Saki's mode of conversation change when he was just talking in his native tongue and didn't have to pause for that translation?
3: I think you're always gonna get more. You're always gonna be able to establish a greater rapport when there isn't that need for the, the third wheel to translate. Um, I think he was just, the thing that really intrigued me with watching those two together was, you know, two great football people. in in their own right you know there was clearly that kind of level of mutual respect you know and and Arigal Saki was was asking Jamie questions as well about his own career and who he knew and places he'd been and experienced so and and clearly he would not ask that of me (laughs) but um, I think just when you're able to do it yourself in in that native tongue you'll always be able to get a level of depth and detail that just isn't possible otherwise so um, I wouldn't say he was any more chatty with me or any more kind of revelatory but it's just it, it flows that bit easier yeah yeah
2: And what were your, how did he match up to your sort of expectations beforehand in terms of an
3: interviewee? I think he absolutely matched them. You know, I loved that slight scattiness. You know, it's always good when you get somebody who has a, a bit of personality about them that you can, you know you can ham up a bit in the piece as well <laughs> uh, let's be honest but the real authority and clarity with which he spoke again was, was expected he, you know he comes across as a great leader and almost a, a zealot for this kind of style and that's exactly what we got even 30 years later he's you know that to the to the letter of why this is still the only way to play football uh, I love again I love people like that who are very you know they stick to, to what they believe in uh, and, and those values kind of really shine through and um, great stories, a few of them that we'd sort of seen in the book, but also stuff that, that, that wasn't in there, just a well of anecdotes and I think we came away after a few hours saying like, if, we, if we'd have sat there for an hour, six, seven hours he wouldn't have moved, you know he was, he was right in his own, wasn't he? It's we? the
2: conversational nature of the book, comes across in person he would have had us there all day, there's no question and he would have walked us up the street <laughs> to the exhibition of Arrigo Saki that was taking place in Fusiniana while we were there so there was due to be on the Saturday, the same week Um, a sort of well there there was already an exhibition up there and there was going to be a round table
3: discussion featuring can you help me out here? Marcel you. Alberto Zaccheroni, Sacchi himself, and one Antonio Conte, who then, by the, the night, was actually managing Spurs, <laughs> so, so had a prior commitment. Um, but, but at that point, when we, we'd gone to see him the day after the, the Liverpool dismantling of Man, Man United, so at that point the talk was all about Conte for, for Man United, so, and he was very kind of positive about that, he a big fan of Conte and his style. Uh, but it's incredible how quickly the wheels turn on this game isn't it but, um, it, would, it would be one round table that it would, I think would have been a, a pleasure to listen in on and just to
2: bring the curtain down on our trip to early we got to enjoy um, a wonderful evening in Bologna in the company of Jamie Carragher first of all like I can't tell you that the percentage that under over I would give you on the percentage of people in Jamie's shoes who would have just refused you know declined to even go on that trip with us yeah. because you know he didn't really know us that well he'd been on Graham Hunter's podcast that we produce a couple of times but to even kind of you know jump in with two feet and say hey, sure I'll come over to Italy with you and meet Erigo Saki that was that was pretty cool
3: the fanboy is not the the right word but the the fact that Jimmy Carrio was clearly in awe of Erigo Saki growing up watching and loving that team you know, to see a real sort of boyish enthusiasm come through from somebody who, of that calibre, again sort of brought home just how big a deal this guy is, so I get that was a real kind of eye-opener for me, that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the quote in the front of the book is from Jurgen Klopp. Saki completely changed how we think about football. That quote is actually taken from Jamie Carragher's podcast, The Greatest Games Series, in a conversation with Jurgen Klopp, so we actually, we took the quote from that podcast Jamie's also got a great book of the same name, and I would I strongly encourage you to buy it because he goes back to Saki again and again and again in that book. So it was, we knew he was really invested in Saki and his brand of football, so it was really fitting that he ended up coming on the trip. But anyway, folks, that's the behind the scenes story of The Immortals by Arrigo Saki, available in paperback and ebook. The perfect Christmas present, some might say. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time.